Um, I was reading this week, and I found a verse that really describes how um, my heart was for most of my life. Um, in Second Timothy um, chapter 3, starting in verse 2, it says, For people will be lovers of self, lovers, uh, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Um, and that last line, the having appearance of godliness and denying its power, um, is really what characterized my life for um, the majority of it. And when Paul was writing to this about um, all these false teachers, um, they had all these heart problems, and it didn't show outwardly. They still could look godly. And that's really what I had learned to do from early ages, learn the Sunday school answers and learn how to sound really spiritual. But it wasn't for God's glory. It was for my glory. I wanted myself to look better. Um, and then throughout this whole time, um, that same pride was just um, covering over all these um, sins in my life I couldn't really see. And just for years, struggling with things like um, lust and sexual sin, um, just not being able to free myself and um, wanting to get myself free, but it ended up being for my own glory. Um, I also want to read from Philippians chapter 3. In the middle of verse 4, Paul says, If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless, Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Um, and what Paul realized is, because he was well respected among um, the religious leaders of his day, he would be considered a... Um, a really spiritual person, and he said, all these things, all the things that people look up to me for, they're all worthless. The only thing that matters is knowing Christ. And throughout most of my life, I, I learned a lot about Christ, but I never really made it a priority to know Christ, and I never um, worshipped him. Um, and I know a lot of this is um, just pride in my life. And this last, this last summer was when I really started being um, convicted about this more. I was on campus one evening, um, had a little extra time, so I uh, sat down outside to pray, and God really started convicting me just how prideful I was and um, and the way I deal with other people. Um, I would say things like, um, in order to, that for them to respect me more rather than um, to be a minister for God. And even, I remember even as I was praying that, I was thinking, man, I wish somebody else could hear this prayer because it's a really good prayer. <laughs> and it was just so frustrating because no matter what I tried to do to get rid of this pride, I would still run back into it because it was still me trying to um, trying to kill it. And that kept reminding me of my favorite verse, Galatians 2.20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in, in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Um, this whole idea of dying to self um, really reminded me that I can't be taking credit for um, good things in my life. Anything, any fruit that I bear can't be my glory. 
Um, and that's one of the reasons I've um, struggled with pride so much. Um, the reason we can't make ourselves humble is we just be proud of how we made ourselves humble. Um, and so just this past few months have just been a process of um, learning to come to God with empty hands, realizing that I can't do anything. Um, and um, even past the area of just pride, um, other sins in my life, um, I realized that there's no way for me to find true freedom from them, um, fighting them by myself, because um, I can't take credit for what God's doing. I need to come to him and say, God, I can't do this, but you can. Uh, I wanted to close with Second uh, Corinthians chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. Um, this has been um, one of my favorite verses this past few months. Um, it's been really humbling and encouraging at the same time. It says, Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Um, and the reason that's so humbling is, I mean, it says that we can't, we're not competent to be, um, to do anything for Christ by ourselves. So we have to come to him with nothing. But when we do that and trust in him to work through us, he makes us sufficient. Um, and he, he's going to be the one that bears fruit in our lives. And um, So if you take anything away from this tonight, don't look at anything that I'm doing, but just praise God for what he does through sinners. So, thanks. Um, I'm Stephanie, for those of you who don't know me, and I think it's kind of neat that um, Nate went before me, because I feel like in a lot of ways my testimony echoes his, so a lot of the truths he spoke you could apply to my life as well. But um, a little bit about myself. I grew up in Montana the last 10 years, but um, was born in California, a little town, Susanville, um, not well known. It's where the state prison is. And <laughs> um, But um, what I'm, my family was um, very church going I guess so grew up hearing a lot of truth in my life um so my earliest memories are going to church church activities um awana plays family devotions um privileged to hear a lot about the lord and I was told by my mom that I prayed with her when I was four and asked Jesus into my heart you know whatever that means and I don't remember it and I don't know what I believed or what I knew then so it's hard for me to look to that time in my life as um when I really started following the lord um, but I can look back at, as a young child and know that I did understand what sin was. I feel like my parents did a good job of um, spanking and um, <laughs> disciplining us and like teaching us that when we do sin against them or against each other, it's against the Lord, and, and I remember getting spanked a lot, so I think I understood sin pretty well. <laughs> um, but then I look back at junior high and high school, and I, um, I see a life that, like what Nate said, was a lot of hypocrisy, a pattern of godliness that didn't match my heart. And I, I grew up in the church just like Nate did. So grew up knowing the Sunday school answers, knowing. Like, it was cool to be spiritual. It was like, my friends were all Christians. Like, I wanted to be liked by them. And so I was spiritual, too, even though I didn't really believe it in my heart, I don't think. Um, there was came to a point where I was just... Um, so good at church and so bad at home and like my family Matt could tell you just a lot of disrespect a lot of fighting with my six brothers and sisters like a lot of opportunity for conflict there and and just um a heart that was so wicked and I hated it and I hated 
the difference that I saw in myself, but I didn't know how to change it. Um, and then Matt, my brother, kept on inviting me to go to youth group here at Grace. My family came to Grace, and I didn't want to go, but I ended up one day just coming for the heck of it. And um, I stayed, and I kept coming. And John Montoya, the youth pastor here, he spoke truth and truth about God and truth that I understood as a high schooler that was like, this is how you should be living for the Lord. Like, this is what it should look like in your life. And I think that's when I really started to want to follow Christ and be obedient. Um, I don't know if I was saved at four or if I was saved in high school, but I do know that at some point I understood that um, I'm a sinner and I can't dwell with the Lord because he's holy and he can't be near me, um, that I needed a way to be with him. And that way came through Christ, that he died on the cross. And if I were to, like, turn from my sin and turn to the Lord, I could um, have a future with the Lord and a fellowship with him. And I think it was high school that I really started to live that way, and it showed in my life. Um, I just love the verse in Ezekiel. It says, this is what the Lord has done in my heart. Um, He says, I will give you a new heart, put a new spirit within you, and I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my judgments and do them. And the Lord's done that in my heart. And I feel like I can say with the Apostle Paul, like, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And it's not like what Nate said. It's not my righteousness or my deeds, but it's his grace, and it's not in vain in my life. Um, All my efforts before were just futile attempts to, like, look religious. But I was like the Pharisees who cleaned up the outside of the cup and the inside was dirty and the whitewashed tombs, they look good on the outside, but they're full of dead man's bones. And by his grace, he saved me, undeserved favor in my life. And not by my works of righteousness, but by his mercy, he saved me. Um, I guess I can see, like what Andy was saying, a pattern of faithfulness in my life with the Lord. He's been faithful in so many ways, and I could probably go on for a long time about it. But um, just a few ways he's been faithful. He's been so faithful when my parents' marriage fell apart and my dad left, and faithful in the trials. He was faithful when my parents got divorced and, and taught me that he is my perfect father. Um, he's been faithful as I've worked at a camp in Alaska over a summer, and faithful here at work in Bozeman. And he's faithful in the early mornings and the late nights, you guys know. And he's faithful in my life. And when, he will not abandon me because I'm faithless. He will remain faithful. And I just have seen that in my life. And I think the biggest thing um, that I'm learning right now is satisfaction in Christ alone. He's been teaching it to me for a long time, and I haven't learned it yet. But um, I think he's being faithful to teach me it. Just what Andy's also been teaching. It's been kind of interesting how we've been studying through John 3, like the Samaritan woman at the well. How God's making true worshipers for himself. And I think he's teaching my heart, like, what is true worship? That I can't find satisfaction in in my religion or my spirituality, that it's not going to be found in marriage or relationship, in my family, and anything else that I think will make me happy, but it's the Lord. And I don't want to, like, pursue um, broken cisterns that will hold no water when I have the fount, the fount of living water. And I think he's been faithful to show me that. I'm still learning it, but that's one thing that he's been teaching me. And I just want to close reading my favorite um, verse. It's First Peter 1. a couple of verses, six through nine. I think this kind of sums up just God's work. Um, it says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, 
You have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. And I'm just so uh, thankful that the Lord has given me faith to walk by faith and not by sight yet, but looking forward to the day when we will see him, but that he may be glorified now in my life, and just really grateful for the opportunity. Thanks, you guys. And I think that after me, um, there's going to be a time for worship again, so we can all have the worship team come up, and yeah, thanks. Thanks, guys, for that worship team. What is that? You are my supply, my breath of life, still more awesome than I know. You're my reward worth living for, still more awesome than I know. You're, all of you is more than enough for all of me. Every thirst and every need, you satisfy me with your love, and all I have in you is more than enough. More than all I want, more than all I need, you're more than enough for me. More than all I know, more than all I can see, you are more than enough. Praise the Lord. And uh, I just wonder if those words are true for you. Do you have a testimony tonight? Like the next three that are going to come up. Thank you so much, fellas, for leading us in that. That is strong words. Um, the next three that are going to come up are close friends of mine, and I think both, most of you guys know them. Uh, Matt Tex, who runs track and is a, a brother that I've gotten to know a lot more lately, and just uh, I appreciate how he sharpens me, and, and I learn from him. Sarah Watts, someone I've known for quite a while, and most of you guys know as well. I just appreciate her example of, of how to follow Christ as a woman. and It uh, means a lot to me, Sarah. And uh, Lucas and I, we live together. And uh, he's a close brother, and I just appreciate him more than most of you could understand. But what I want you guys to keep in mind is uh, what Matt wrote when he attached his testimony and sent it to me. He said, the testimony that I am able to take part in of God, or something along those lines. You see, this isn't about Matt. It's not about Sarah, and it's not about Luke. And those guys know that, and that's part of why I appreciate him. This is the testimony of the Lord working in their life, and they just get to be a, a player in it. Um, so let's worship the Lord. Let's remember, as Andy said, remember in your own life and reflect and worship the Lord as these young men and this young woman come and, and tell us about what the Lord is pleased to have done in their life, both in the past and in the present. So, Brother Matt. Stand All right, so let's see if I can get this. Um, I've actually been honored to share my testimony once or twice in these past two weeks. Um, once here and then once over at AIA, um, Athletes in Action. And, uh, one thing that's been on my heart um, in sharing my testimony has been uh, I, when I was first asked, I didn't think there was anything special about me. I didn't think 
that my testimony is powerful. I see people get up here and talk about how they've been, you know, into drugs and sex and things like that that are just, you know, in our eyes, those things are huge. And something that's been huge in helping me to see uh, each and every one of our testimonies and the way God has seen it is Matthew 5.28, which says, But I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Um, this is true of me. And just seeing the way that God looks at us has changed my eyes and has amazed me throughout this process. And um, yeah, just just amazed by that, that God sees us all the same. And that Tanner said when I was talking to him, um, we would have all burned in the same hell. So something to keep in mind. Um, I was born into a Christian home, um, which I say kind of sparingly. I think my parents had been saved before I was born. But it wasn't something that was a seven-day-a-week type thing. It was go to church on Sunday and maybe a Bible study throughout the week. But it wasn't something that I really saw lived out on a daily basis. Um, I would go to church to please my parents and please people around me. Um, Basically, until the point where I realized that I could fake sleeping in, um, usually consisted of pulling my covers up and fake snoring when my parents came in, just so I, so I didn't have to go to church. And I mean, looking back, that disgusts me, but uh, that's the truth. And um, as a child, I'd, I'd prayed that prayer. Um, I'm sorry, I forget your name. Stephanie said the same thing. You know, I prayed this prayer when I was a child, uh, and. The way Dan Jackson puts it is it's a magical combination of words that we say. Um, and it's so true that that prayer means nothing. It's what we do after that prayer that that holds in our hearts. So uh, fast forward into high school, I mean, we can assume that my life throughout, up until high school was not God-honoring, but uh, just the best examples I could give of where my life had got to this point where in high school uh, I started track my senior year and as a senior in track I thought I had something to prove since I was stepping onto a team as a leader and I made it a point to let everyone know that I was better than them at running and uh, ended up being able to come up here and run which has been a blessing and I realized really quickly that I wasn't the best runner in the world and that was great I was humbled through God um in Matthew twenty two twelve it says, Forever exalts himself will be humbled. Um, and like I said, as a college runner, this was, this was quick to happen for me. I walked onto a team that was pretty good, I'd say. If you guys haven't seen any track meets or cross-country meets, you guys should get out and watch them because there's some pretty spectacular runners out there. Um, but God's life, or hand was in my life for a long time before this. Um, within a month of being in college, I... I realized, you know, getting on this team and and being humbled and being away from my parents um, was tough. And I realized that I didn't have it all put together. And God saved me within maybe a month of being at school. I started coming to church and started believing and and repenting on what I'd I'd done. Um, Yeah, I can't see a specific instance when I did pray that magic prayer for the second time. Um, I'm sure I did, but... uh, but this time it wasn't just a prayer. It was a repentance and belief. And that's just, that's that change that had happened to me. Um, 
I hadn't seen the extent of my sins until I was saved. I can't say I, I realized the extent until after I was had been saved. Um, I'd gone from this egotistical kid who uh, thought he was the best at everything and into a man who was hungry for growth and saw the depth of his sins. And um, Throughout high school, I'd struggled with purity issues such as uh, lust and pornography and I haven't been perfect since I've come to Christ in these things, but I'm no longer slave to these things, which is amazing and, and great. And um, although it's been a battle, I can see the the light at the tunnel, at the end of the tunnel, that God is is bringing me through that. Um, one thing that's been really cool in my life is I've been blessed to lead a a runner's Bible study with Dan Jackson, um, with my roommates and some guys on the track team come, and some women as well. Um, through this, I've been stretched, and God has shown me that I need to be patient. Um, I've realized that it's a, not always a quick thing coming to Christ and, and repenting, that it, it takes a while, and there has to be moments of growth and moments that you fall back. And it's been great. Um, I was telling Tanner today that I've had two really great things happen today to me that were just just really opened my eyes. Um, one of my roommates came up to me and said, uh, this this guy, I don't know if he had been saved before this year. I, I'm almost certain he hadn't been. and he, uh, I'm pretty pretty sure he's been saved now. And he came up to me today and said that uh, during, one of the, during his run today, he got a chance to talk to another teammate about God. And that was huge. Um, that really humbled me and just, I was so so happy to talk to him about that and he was happy and um just this joy came over me and I was just I was amazed by that and I thought I'd share that because that kind of happened today so um as of lately God has shown me the things that I need to work on and the things that I, I'm not good at um and one of the things I think would be talking in front of people, and I've been really blessed to get a couple opportunities to do that. And um, I just want to stress tonight that it's not through what I've said that I think should be important. I think it's what God has done through me. And don't let anything that I screwed up uh, or anything that you don't like about me change that. Um, to close, I'd like to read Romans 12, um, verses 1 and 2. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers... In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So, thank you. And I'm done. Um, I'm just going to read mine, <laughs> if that's okay with everyone. Uh, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
Uh, this is a Charles Spurgeon quote. I believe in the doctrine of election because I am quite certain that if God had not chosen me, I should never have chosen him. And I am sure that he chose me before I was born or else he never would have chosen me afterwards. And he must have elected me for reasons unknown to me, for I never could find any reason in myself why he should have looked upon me with special love. I have only been saved by the Lord's amazing grace in my life, for he has delivered me from the dominion of darkness and transferred me into the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Colossians 1.13 When I was 11 at camp, I realized that I was separated from God because of my sin, and I acknowledged that I needed his Son then and every day for the rest of my life in order to be right before God. Uh, yes, I'm a church camp converter, but I truly believe that is where the Lord rescued me, and because since then, my life has never been the same. I also believe that he has rescued me for the purpose of what 2 Corinthians 5, 14, 15, and 21 says. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died, and he died for all, that those who might live, that those who might live, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Well, this is one of my favorite verses because um, the gospel is clearly presented in it. Christ took the righteous wrath of God and endured the cross in order that we, as the body of Christ, might become the righteousness of God, and that's exactly what he's done for me. Um, as it turns out, at age 11, the same year I went to camp, I was uh, also diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. I did not really understand what was happening to me at the time, but one thing I do know is that Christ is so faithful, and he will see you through anything. Um, the Father's faithfulness manifests itself in my life every single day dealing with RA and every month financially paying for expensive medication. And I've honestly seen miracles in the way that the Lord has provided financially for me in this aspect, um, as well as other miracles financially, like raising support for missions. So if you ever have any doubts about that, please come talk to me. Um, his faithfulness and grace toward me have been clearly evident in my life. Um, ever since then, which leads me only to trust him more and more. Colossians, 1, Colossians 11, 1, 11 and 12 st states, May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And Isaiah thirty fifteen and 18 says, This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel, says, in repentance and rest is your salvation, and quietness and trust is your strength. Yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion, for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. Um, I love that through Isaiah, the Lord states, in quietness and trust is my strength. The Lord has once again, always graciously allowed me ample opportunities to trust him. And although it's easier to trust the Lord and his sovereignty in retrospect, I'm learning that the Lord blesses those who trust him for all things, past, present, or future with peace and comfort that can only come from his Holy Spirit. In my experience, trusting the Lord is a change in heart and surrender of will entirely. Since the Lord graciously pulled me out of the pit and rescued me, I have constantly been convicted of sin in my life, mainly pride. His kindness has led and is leading me to repentance, and the Holy Spirit has been leading me on paths of righteousness for his name's sake, like the psalmist says. I found that the path of righteousness, that the path of righteousness is not always the easiest or most popular path, but it is the path that glorifies the Lord. And I can confidently say that my deepest desire now is to walk on the path of righteousness that he leads me down for his name's sake. To walk on his path of righteousness and to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. That's Psalm 27. Those are the greatest desires in my heart now. 
in the past several years, the Lord has also been preparing my heart for service and specifically service concerning the Great Commission. He has graciously given me a heart for people who have never heard the gospel, and for that I'm thankful because it is the transformation into, his, into the likeness of his son according to Matthew 9. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest. Uh, Since most of us are college students, I would assume that the future holds a few question marks for everyone in here, and I'm I'm confident that I do not know what the future holds for me in terms of my circumstances. Next year, I may be in grad school, overseas, working at a job completely unrelated to my major or something else entirely, but but one thing I do know is that um, with trust in the Lord, the uncertainty of the future does not have to be fearful, but it can actually be exciting. Whatever the future does hold, I can have certainty about what the Lord asks of me. Uh, Micah 6, 8. He has showed you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So that's all I got. I grew up in a Hutterite colony of uh, if you have any questions about that, you can talk, uh, talk to me later. But growing up was a, a religious life. Like, we would go to church. We would, uh, like, comb our hair when we went to church. We had to part them in the middle. We had to do all these rules that could not do anything. But we thought those were things that we had to do. So uh, once uh, my and I guess the fruits of the, 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 fruits of the flesh is what would have characterized me, which it says, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Like, even though I grew up in a religious setting, my heart was nowhere there. Like, I could go to church, but, yeah, some people knew what I was doing. I was getting drunk probably some of the things I didn't know, like uh, looking at pornography and other things, but the time came around when I was about at the age of 16, when my dad had questions, and my dad is probably 6'6", six, six, weighs about 250 pounds, and if you've ever, should you say <laughs> and uh so he weighs about 250 pounds, and uh, if you've ever seen a grown man cry, well, I don't know, it's kind of strange, because I would come home, and this was not because of something bad had happened, this was because he was in, a, in kind of a depression, what you would say, or like he didn't know what to do. When, uh, like they tell you in uh, psychology that you need, uh, when you have food, when you have shelter, when you have money, that you, your life will be good. But this was not the case, because I came from a community where we had everything that we needed. We had food, we had money, we had a shelter, we had a house, we had friends, we had everything, but there was still something missing. So my dad went through uh, two mental breakdowns during that time, and I didn't really want anything to do with him. I, had, I went home to sleep at night, but that was about all. So... When I came home, he would always, like, 
be reading his Bible. He was a German school teacher, which was uh, he spent more time in the Word than most everybody else does, maybe besides the preachers. But he didn't really understand until one day he said, well, the Word started speaking back to him. So he started to have questions. And the, uh, there was a principal that shared the God that would come out to the school and they would talk and my dad would have questions and he would en- and the principal would answer them. So, uh, and through all this, my dad uh, went to the psychologist twice and they gave him some medication. But this one time, he was going to a friend's house when he was in, at the hospital in Great Falls and he went into a friend's house and uh, there was a preacher on TV and I'm not advertising. <laughs> but, uh, and... After when he was there, he said, as soon as he walked in, the guy said, and all you mentally depressed turn to Jesus Christ. And uh, pretty much from that moment on or around that time, he knew there was something to the gospel. And before that, we were just trying to work our way to heaven. Maybe I didn't even realize it. I was just following orders. But uh, and seeing the change in my, in my dad growing up and uh, just from being depressed and from turning from uh, like uh, the things of the world, like uh, work, works-based salvation, to faith in Christ, it, uh, the circumstances changed. He, uh, by the Spirit of God, he was transformed, and he, was, uh, he, had, he didn't cry as much anymore, or he stopped crying, actually, and he started to have this joy in his life that he would try to share with everybody else, but everybody rejected him on the colony, and he didn't have any friends. He didn't have any Christian friends. So he would tell us. And uh, <laughs> I, I just listened to him. And like a lot of times I didn't want it. But uh, he would do this consistently maybe every other week. And I was just listening to him. But uh, So he started sharing some verses with me. Ones like uh, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, where it, which says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. And I had questions. Like I was told that by going to church, by following all these rules, by going to Sunday school, this is what's going to get me into heaven. I mean, at least that's what I thought. And that's what everybody else thought, too. I was like, like, you're telling me this. The Bible says this. How can I know? So I had an interest in, okay, I'm going to find out kind of for myself. I'm going to start reading. So when I uh, I read, and my dad also shared some verses with me, it came up to uh, Romans 3.12, which says, All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, no, not even one. It was a start of me seeing my, my wickedness and my sinfulness. And uh, Isaiah 64.6, But God, no, for we have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteousness, righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. We, are, we all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, take us away. And uh, through the reading of the word, I began to see more of the grace of God extended to us, but yet I didn't really know what it was. And my dad just kept faithfully sharing his faith with me. He wanted everybody in our household to be a Christian because he knew that if we would all die, we would be separated from him for sure. So it came to uh, Romans 5.8, which says, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And in uh, 
in John. In John 5.24 it says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who has sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. And uh, while my dad was sharing with me, I started to realize like, I don't think about spiritual things throughout the day. And uh, like I would go out, go to work, and just do everything over again. But uh, my dad shared with me Second Corinthians 6, 2, which says, For he says, In a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And I began to realize, like, I have to make a choice when I'm prompted to make the choice. I can't just be out in the middle of nowhere where I'm not thinking about it. I mean, yeah, God could do something like he did to Paul, just zap me, but uh, he didn't. And uh, now I'm not quite certain that that was the point there in my bedroom all by myself. I, that was the, a choice I made. Uh, at that time is when I was saved, but I, uh, but I knew my heart had changed, and I seeing where I came from to what I had become, or what I was becoming was different. I uh, started to read the word, the Bible more, because if it is true, or if uh, the gospel is true, well then the Bible is true. So I figured I need to find out for myself, and uh, I saw more sin the more I was reading it. So I, I. Uh, saw the depth of my depravity even more. And I, like uh, Romans 2, 5 says, Now the law came in, in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. And uh, this was about the age of uh, when I was 19 years old, and I, uh, I was still on the colony. And my dad had uh, mentioned that, yes, we're going to probably leave the colony because we're... Like, we're not getting fed the gospel. We're not getting fed the word. So uh, about half a, year, half a year later, I left, and I was a new Christian. I didn't have any friends, especially not off the colony. So when I left, I uh, went, started to go to a church, and I didn't do, know nothing or hardly anything. And I made some friends, which I wasn't too proud of, because I started to uh, do the things they did. I started to get back into whatever they were doing, like uh, drunkenness and just sensuality and just things that, that would gratify the flesh. But I I wasn't, or I was living in guilt most of the time. And uh, like every, every time I would do something that was blatantly sin, I would have doubts of my salvation. So after I had left for two years, my parents... M- basically moved the whole family off off the colony and I didn't want to like I knew I had to do something or I knew I wanted to be accountable to them so I was reading to my bible through that through that time and it says in psalms 1 1 uh, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of scoffers and proverbs 4:18 said do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not uh, wait in the way of the evil. So while I was uh, away and was reading my Bible at the time, and I had the doubts of salvation, I was—I mean, I was still occasionally, or like trying to get back into the 
into the world because I knew that's where life came. It seemed like that's where life came from. It gave me hope. It gave me a promise. And uh, so I wasn't, this is why I'm saying I'm not sure if I was saved back then or now, but I don't, it doesn't really matter. And I started, when I read, it says in, uh, it says in uh, sec, 1 Corinthians 5, it says, uh, since then you would not, but uh, now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed, is an idolater, reviler, drunker, or swindler, not even to eat with one. So I knew I had to distance myself from friends I had made that were not leading me into the right direction or not leading me towards a godly life or challenging me. And uh, like Second uh, Corinthians thirteen five said, examine yourself to see if you are in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test. And uh, around that time when my parents left, I had a desire to go to learn more about the Bible and what it says. So I, I didn't know what to do. And uh, one of my the friends that I from a different church who was, uh, I guess, who I see as a, not, I guess, um, I don't know what you call it, but um, a friend said, talked to me about Montana Bible College. And so I said, well, that'd be great. But so he got all the papers, paperwork, and told me to sign here and sign here. And, uh, <laughs> and basically sent it all from there. But I knew I wanted to do something to get away from the life I had been living. And that's when I realized what true repent or deep, deeper sense what true repentance was. And these days, uh, I've been going to a Bible study in uh, Romans, and we were going through Galatians in a Bible study here at church, where uh, it talks about God God's gift of salvation, like it's free. It doesn't. He He extends it to us, and we when we we accept it or He calls us, and uh, it's been challenging, especially in uh, Galatians, where the Galatians tried to work out their own salvation. They tried to do the things of the law to try to uh, work, get works-based salvation. So it's been a challenge to not see as either devotions or going to church, going to cross life, to see that as my religious duties that I have to do, but that it's joys and that I get to do that, to go worship God. So and that's the story of my life so far. So worship team.